Luminaires, and welcome to episode 19 of the Inkwell Gamers podcast. We are now halfway through our set review of Chapter 2, Rise of the Floodborne cards, continuing today with Ruby. And so Dalton, I know that this is your favorite color. How was it for you to be able to really look at these cards? It was really exciting for me. There are some that I am so stoked about and some that I hope end up being really good that honestly I'm I'm not sure we'll get there, but <laughs> yeah, there there are some cards I'm I'm super pumped about. Yeah, I do recognize that when I was going through, I think this is the first color in all of the set reviews that we've done so far, even chapter one, where I have graded the most A's and S's that I have before, which I'm a little jealous because I'm not normally a Ruby player, so I'm a little scared of you now, but <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I think it'll be a good one. Awesome. I'm really excited to hear your views on these. So before we jump in, for those who might just now be tuning into our podcast, do you mind going through our grading with them really quick? Yep. So the first grade we have is S. It is the best cards in this color so you couldn't imagine playing uh less than four of these something like rapunzel gifted with healing from the first chapter then we have a's which are just some of the best cards in this color that have really high power level that will probably be played in most of your decks uh, a few archetypes might not want it but most will probably just play all four something like stitch rockstar and they could also be the best cards that cause you to build around that card, maybe like Elsa from the first chapter as well. Then we have Bs, which are just solid role players. Could be a four of in a lot of decks due to ink ability and their cheap ink cost, but not necessarily super high power level. So like any of the mini mouses from the first set, or they're higher power level role players but maybe not inkable or kind of expensive, so it's hard to play in some archetypes or a lot of copies of that card, like Ursula Power Hungry. Then we have Cs, which take a very specific deck to make playable, but could have some niche applications, something like Dingle Hopper. And then we have Ds, which are just the mostly unplayable cards. Healing Glow is the highlight of the D category. All right, and so... What we have been doing during our set reviews is basically starting with the characters first and going in alphabetical order and then finishing with our action songs and items. And so with that being said, our first card, why don't you take us through, Dalton? All right. We have Blue Fun Loving Bear. It is an inkable three-cost character. That's a 4-3. That quest for one. The first couple cards we probably don't need to spend a lot of time talking about because mm -hmm. this is just a C. This card did not see play in the first set and it's probably not going to see play in the second set either. And by that, I think you mean first play because it's exactly like the Emerald Horus. Yep. It yep. was not good there. It's probably not going to be good as we get more cards. So right. probably even a D at this point. I gave it a D for that reason. And spoil alert, the Prince Naveen and Steel that we haven't gotten to yet is exactly the same stat line and everything too. And he'll be a D for me too. For sure. <laughs> All right, next we have Boone, Precocious Entrepreneur. He has a two cost, two, three that quests for one. 
Uh, if you need more two cost two threes in your deck, this is a C ish, B ish level kind of card. It'll probably not make your deck after the the next set comes out, though. Right. I was right on the same wavelength as you. I did a BC as well. I think we might see some in some decks because it's essentially like a genie ever impressive or a Minnie Mouse princess. And I know, like me in particular, at one point I had in my competitive deck the ever impressive genie. So it might see some play, but not in every deck and maybe not four of. Yeah. Um, and there are a couple other cards of the same drop ink ability, stat line, etc. that also do something else. So the fact that this is just a vanilla makes me think it just might not be a solid role player. So mm, I might just go down right to a C. <laughs> yeah, it's not very exciting. No. All right, next we have Card Soldier's Full Deck, an inkable five drop, five, five quests for two, and that's it. <laughs> so again, this is another card that is exactly like Winnie the Pooh, Honey Wizard, and I gave that one a B, and so I feel obligated to give this one just for consistency purposes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's different because you're in a different color, so... You don't have to do everything the same necessarily, but this one is a C to me. You'll never play this competitively over Maui and probably not Goofy either. I don't think it's just very vanilla. Mm -hmm, for sure. All right, now we have Donald Duck, not again, an inkable five drop as well, but a one five quest for one has evasive and also has the ability Fooey. This character gets plus one lore for each one damage on him. I graded him... Ugh, I graded him as an A. I think if he didn't have evasive as well, I would definitely consider this card to be much worse. But I do think in combination with his other ability that it could be good. And between the two sets, there are only four cards that have evasive and the strength of five that could wipe him out on his first quest. Not taking into consideration, obviously, the cards that would do like removal on him, but you'd be able to get a couple quests out of him. And even steel decks that deal a certain amount of damage would be less inclined to want to inflict unless they have good removal options too, because obviously when they put a couple damage on him, then he gets even better. So I don't know. I gave him an A. <laughs> I'm, I don't want to be, I'm going to be a downer on him. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to give him a C. And the reason being is that I think Goofy is just a way more consistent card. It has better stats. It can actually challenge opposing characters and get them off the board. And it always just quests for two. And he's just consistent and good and... This is just going to be so inconsistent. There are a couple ways that you can combo with this card just to get the extra lore advantage early. We're going to talk about some of them coming up. And, you know, if you're a steel deck, you could even consider, like, smashing Donald Duck just to get that burst of quest. That's not necessarily the most super efficient way to do it. But really, I just think this is a worse Goofy, and I'm sad that they made a legendary a worse Goofy. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Next one, we have Felicia. Always Hungry is a one-cost inkable character. It's a 3-1 with Reckless. I like this one, Dana. I'm going to give this a B. It has solid stats. It's able 
it's the only one-cost character that's able to trade with Simba Bodyguard, which I think can be really valuable. So just having your one-cost character be able to trade with all the cards that are like one, two, three ink, I think is pretty strong. And in the matchups where it's not going to be very good, it's just going to be an ink. So I, I like it. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. When I first saw this, I originally was going to grade it a little bit lower just because I felt like the one willpower was too squishy. But the more I thought about all of the one and two drops that you typically see, I realized that it would be able to trade with any of them. You have your one threes and your one ones and um, your two twos, and it literally can take care of any of them. So with that being said, after considering it again, I... I will agree with you and bump her up to a B. Yeah, the, the thing about it is that it is always going to get banished, but just think of it as another, like, fire the cannons that's inkable. That's how I like to envision it, right? It's just going to banish your opponent's one-cost or two-cost character, but it's also inkable when it's not good. Yeah, for sure. All right, next we have Fidget, Radigan's Henchman. Why don't you walk us through that one? Fidget Radigan Henchman's a three cost inkable 3 2 that quests for one and is evasive. I'm gonna give this one a C. Uh, there's another three cost evasive that we'll talk about in a little bit that I just think is substantially better. So, yeah, I this card just doesn't excite me. Like, you, you don't, it's Peter Pan from the first set. Mm -hmm. It's in that soul, some play, but I think it's power crept out. See, that's exactly what I put in my notes. I put Ruby version of Emerald's Peter Pan Everlanding and that saw some play last set. However, because of that, I give it a B. All right, next we have Honest John. Not that honest. Dana, tell us about Honest John. Honest John is an uninkable three drop, two, three quests for one, and has the ability Easy Street. Whenever you play a Floodborne character, each opponent loses one lore. I give this one, I couldn't decide between a B or a C. I think it might be one of those characters that you put on the board and then don't do anything with just so you can keep using their ability. But obviously you would have to be making sure that you're building your deck around a good amount of strong Floodborns to make this card worth it. So that's why I think it might be more towards a C just because it might be a little too narrow. Yeah, like the cards we talked about from Emerald that you were kind of alluding to that they just kind of sit there and do their thing. Bucky and Prince John, those have more powerful abilities than just making your opponents lose one or two lore over the course of the game. So I don't like this one at all. I'm going to give it a D. All right, next we have one that I am really excited about. We have Lady Tremaine, Imperious Queen. It is a six-cost uninkable character that quests for two. She is a 3-4, and she shifts for four as well, and has the ability power to rule at last. When you play this character, each opponent chooses and banishes one of their characters. Mm -hmm. I love this card. I think it is very strong. I'm going to give it an S. I think besides Maui, this is Ruby's best removal spell. Um, it has a decent body, not great, but it's not terrible. It can clock the control decks because it quests for two, and it just slows down the aggro decks by a lot. I think there's a lot to like about this one. I also gave it an S, so that makes me feel good because this is, we're starting to get into some of the cards that I feel like I graded pretty high, but 
Obviously, you don't get a choice in which one gets banished, but because you can shift her on turn four, you can basically dragon fire a turn earlier and you get to keep the body on the board. So yeah, a lot of good things going for her. Yeah, like you cannot choose which one they banish, but that means that a lot of the time they're not questing with some of their characters because they don't want you to challenge that character first. And then this character coming into play, late Tremaine coming into play, would actually banish the character that you would want it to. Uh, so it slows down your opponents there. And you can also, like I said, just, just challenge the characters that you wouldn't want them to banish with this ability first and kind of clear the way for it. And Maui is kind of the perfect card that uh, curves into this. Mm-hmm, for sure. All right, next we have Lady Tremaine, Overbearing Matriarch, an uninkable two drop, two, two, quests for one, and has not for you. When you play this character, each opponent with more lore than you loses one lore. I graded this at an A. I think for obvious reasons, you'd play her so you can shift into the Lady Tremaine we just talked about. But I think it's also good against the aggro decks because those do tend to get away with questing pretty quickly. So if you're playing against an emerald deck, chances are they probably would have more lore than you. So yeah, I don't know. I, I like it. I gave this one a D. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. So if this was Aladdin Street Rat from the first set, mm-hmm. like I'd be much more excited i don't think you're you need to play this in order to play the previous lady tremaine just because i think this card's so weak it's not inkable its ability is conditional in that a lot of the times in the first two or three turns of the game some people don't even quest so you don't get that benefit all the time and even if you're tied in lore you still don't get that benefit. If you both have two lore, then you you don't get that ability. I don't think its body is very good. It's just, like, if you're playing this and you're playing Big Lady Tremaine, that's already eight uninkables in your deck, and that really tends to you not being able to play some of the powerful uninkables in whatever other color you're playing. So I, th- I think that is a limiting factor for this card as well. Like, if you're going to be uninkable, I think there needs to be a lot of power level behind those cards, and I just don't see it with this one. Fair enough. Yeah, I might have... I don't know. I just... <laughs> <clears throat> hey, you're aggressive with your stance. I like <laughs> I'm it. I'm you. Well, spoiler alert, my next one is pretty high too, so why don't we walk it Ooh. through us? All right, we have Lumiere, Hot-Headed Candelabra. Is a seven cost inkable character. That's a seven seven quest for two. Uh, I gave this one a B C ish kind of card. Yeah, it it's very vanilla. It has really good stats and it it does quest for a decent amount. But I just feel like your seven cost cards are going to be like Stitch, Carefree Surfer, or Hades. Just these cards that have these really powerful effects on the game when you play them. And this kind of just doesn't. Don't mind me just penciling mine thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 seriously. What'd you, what'd you give it? I give it an A, but it, you're right. It probably is more like a B. I was thinking of it like... Most other seven drops don't have as equal of a stat distribution as this does. It, you might see like a three nine or a like a seven two or I don't know. Like it's just very unequal in that sense. But the fact that they made it a seven seven, yes, it's vanilla. But not only does it survive the Maui test, but it gets rid of him too. Well, you should. He costs two more. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> 
Alrighty. So next we have Minnie Mouse Stylish Circle. Listen, <laughs> don't do this to me right now. Uh, she's an inkable three drop, a one three, quest for two, and is evasive. What'd you give her? Mm, this is... Besides Lady Tremaine, I think that this could be the best Ruby card in the set. So I, I'm going to give it an S. There aren't really any other evasive characters that cost three that quest for two so that's really powerful it survives a lot of removal from the steel decks such as grab your swords and fire the cannons even the new song that does two damage and lets you draw a card so it's a a really good threat it's good at singing songs you can't really interact with it well very early in the game uh i think it's spectacular i for all the reasons you described i gave her an a i just could see her being a really good role player so mm -hmm. yep absolutely good card all right next we have Minnie mouse wide-eyed diver a four cost inkable two three that shifts for two and has evasive and has Undersea Adventure, when you play a second action in a turn, this character gets plus two lower this turn. What do you think? I gave her an A as well. <laughs> I feel like I'm just like, you get an you A. Get me. You get I'm me. playing That's over okay. over here. Um, so I feel like although you might not see multiple actions played every turn very often, having a 2-3 evasive on turn two, if you shift, can be really hard to stop until turn four because come turn four then you get a lot of like three plus strength characters that start to come in and you like obviously you do have a, a couple that could come in earlier i think there's the sapphire corella fidget and peter pan Everlanding, but you might not have a very high probability of seeing those anyway so that could really leave this card not being threatened very much yeah i i'm gonna give this one a c oh <laughs> um i can definitely see where it would be good there could be some emerald ruby action deck with like pete that could be good but i just don't know if this card is really good enough by itself there aren't any actions in ruby that draw cards so mm -hmm. It's hard to play this if you're not playing Emerald or Sapphire, so that's kind of limiting. Emerald or Sapphire don't have cheap minis. But what about the fact that you could basically get hurt on turn two if you shift? So I think you have to be careful about shift characters on turn two unless they're really strong because you're kind of going down a card because you played a card and then you shifted onto it so your two cards kind of became just that one shift character right mm. so you don't you're not really advancing your board a whole lot and yeah you're kind of getting that little bit of card disadvantage now i think if there are any four cost songs that end up being really powerful in ruby this will probably start to see a lot of play mm -hmm. but we don't we just don't have those yet but that's something that I would look out for in the future is just if there's a four cost song that this can sing, its value is going to go up a lot. All right, next we have Minnie Mouse zipping around. I like the art on this one. It's cute. Mm -hmm. uh, two cost, inkable, three, two, quest for one. It's a solid B. I gave it a low B. I view this card like I'd view the Emerald Cheshire Always Grinning. 
However, unlike that card where you'd use that one to shift to the bigger Cheshire, you don't really need this one to shift because you have Minnie Mouse always classy. That's a one drop anyway, but I still think it has okay stats. So you might want it still as a filler, but I just, its value isn't as important as the Cheshire always grinning. So I don't know, like low B, but still B. Yep. If you want a three, two, four, two, you can play this. If the other color you're pairing it with doesn't have one, I guess. Like mm -hmm. it's just, it's just whatever, you know? Yeah. All right, next we have Mother Gothel, Withered and Wicked. An inkable two drop, three, four, quests for one, and has the ability, what have you done? This character enters play with three damage. What did you give this one? I gave this one a B because if you're playing a Ruby Amber deck, this pairs just absurdly well with Rapunzel, which honestly that card didn't need any help anyway, but just playing this on turn two, waiting a turn, Rapunzeling on turn three, drawing three cards, and then you have this over-costed character that's ready to challenge is just an absurd line to take. So I think it will be good in that deck. I am not sure it will really be playable in any other deck unless we have a really powerful shift Mother Gothel, but then that one would also probably have three damage on it when it came in because of this when it comes into play. So that probably wouldn't even be that good either. Yeah, the damage stays for yeah. sure. So it's, yeah. I gave it a C because I feel like, like you said, I mean, you could pair it with an amber deck, but other than that, it's pretty much unplayable. So you're pretty restricted. I think although there are a lot of cards that we'll talk about later in the actions and items where it, those cards are dependent upon your characters having damage counters on them, I don't think centering your deck around that kind of strategy is strong enough to go with that and to use this card. So Yeah, there, there's definitely one item that makes Mother Gothel interesting that we'll talk about later, but just kind of standalone card, it's it's fine. You, mm -hmm. you really have to be able to abuse the three damage on it. All right, next we have Moomon, Soldier in Training. It is a four cost and inkable, four three rush, that quest for one, and it's a D to me. I struggled with this one. I gave it a BC, but honestly, I'm kind of like a little angry about it because it has the potential to be good, but it, there's just one small thing that's off about it. So basically it's almost like a Rafiki but I'm confused why they wouldn't match her willpower to the strength like they do with Rafiki. Like Rafiki is also uninkable and is a three drop three, three. So if you're making this an uninkable four drop, why wouldn't you make it a four, four? So I think that just really irritated me. I, I think they kind of missed the ball on that one, but yeah. Yeah. They, if they made it inkable, it would probably be good. I mean, yeah. wait, Rafiki's, yeah. in Rafiki's uninkable and he is really good. Yeah, but he costs three is what I'm saying. Ugh, like this one, right, this right. one costs four. So having the four, three stat line, it would need to be inkable. I think for it to be good. If they made it a four, four inkable, it would probably be really good. Yeah. Um, but what if it was, what if they kept it as an uninkable, but did make it a four, four? What would you upgrade to that? Uh, that might be, it might be a C. You could see playing maybe two of these in a deck. It, curves really well into into Maui and Lady Tremaine, so I could definitely see that, but the bar, like I said earlier, is pretty high on inkables, so you probably want to keep it at a minimum, mm -hmm. but just as it is right now, I cannot see playing this card. Yeah. They decided to tweak it a little too much, I think. For sure. Okay, next we have Namari. 
Nemesis, an uninkable four drop, three, three quests for one, and has this shouldn't take long, where you exert her to banish this character and then banish chosen character. I gave this one a B. I don't think it's too bad based on her versatility because if you play her on turn four, by turn five, she's basically just another dragon fire after she dries, of course, but also you can choose to just challenge and quest. And so if your opponents don't ha have anything on the board that's super threatening, you could maybe get a quest out of her or challenge something smaller that she doesn't die to first. And then turn six, maybe use her to banish something that they might've played on their turn. So I think she has pretty good versatility. Yeah, I gave her a C also because I, I just compared her to Mulan and there are some scenarios where Mulan's going to be better if your opponent has an exerted character that you need to get rid of. Just for clarification, which Mulan? Mulan Soldier in Training, the one okay, we the just one talked that we about. Okay, yeah. I just wanted to make sure because you know we got another one. Yeah, so. yeah, the, the Mulan that we just talked about. Um, there will be a lot of scenarios where this is just a worse card than that. Mm -hmm. There will be scenarios where this is better than that Mulan as well, but because I think it's slower in that you have to wait a turn for its ability to take effect, I I can definitely see it just being worse than Mulan. And so, why would you think that Mulan would be better than this one? Because they have the like because they have rush with four strength. Yeah, because mainly because I'm thinking. Sorry. Yeah, no, I was already fine, I fine. was already arguing with you before you made your argument. <laughs> no, you're fine. Mainly because it it has rush. Like you can play it, then it has that immediate impact on the board. Mm -hmm. So if your opponent has some four willpower character, that Mulan can banish it instantly before it has a chance to quest more or maybe challenge another character of yours, whatever. But Namari just sits and play for a turn, so. Mm -hmm. In order to banish that same character you might want to banish, uh, your opponent has the ability to quest with it an extra time or challenge with it an extra time. And that just makes it a lot slower in my opinion. Now, it, its ability is more powerful because it can banish something like a Carefree Surfer. Yeah, like something that wouldn't die to Mulan. <clears> and <throat> it doesn't even have to be exerted for it to go away. So th I that was my argument <laughs> that I was, like, was going to make. Um is that you could deal with characters that are bigger than what Mulan would have taken care of, plus they don't even have to be exerted, so. Yeah, I think... Mic drop. <laughs> Moving on, let's go. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Like, if, if I think I wanted to play this card, I'd just play Dragonfire instead. Because it, it kind of just banishes... I know, but you have the versa... All right. Moving Th on. This is my opinion. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got Queen of Hearts Impulsive Ruler, a two-cost, two-two rush. A quest for one, what do you think? I gave her an A. I think this card has a reasonable stat line with Rush, so that makes it worth her cost because I mean, like she's just a two drop, so it's pretty nice. Plus she's obviously inkable and would give you the ability to play the next Queen of Hearts on turn three, which is a great board setup. And so A for me. Yeah, I'll give it a, a B. This can do a lot of work against some aggressive decks, challenging their Lilo, making a wishes and whatnot, but I don't think it's like necessarily the the most powerful card. So yeah, I'll just I'll just give it a B. Solid. Nothing special though. Alrighty. Next we have Queen of Hearts, Sensing Weakness. An inkable five drop four three quests for one, shifts for two, and has let the games begin. Whenever one of your characters challenges another character, you may draw a card. 
I give this one an S. I think it's just incredibly strong because it's not just limited to when she challenges, but when one of your characters in general does. So it doesn't even have, obviously have to be her. So if you have three or four characters on the board and you challenge with all of them, you get to draw that many cards in a turn. Like that's just insanely good to me. Yeah, this, I'm going to give it an A. I don't think you'll play in every Ruby deck, but I do think there are some that this will be really strong in. Mm -hmm. Like you said, it can create a lot of card advantage in one turn or even over the course of a couple turns, you know, just as early as turn turn three. So I think there's a lot of play to this card. It's something that your opponent will probably be scared of in the, the early turns if you're playing against a, a Ruby opponent. So yeah, I, I can definitely see the upside for this. I just wish as a five cost, it might have been a little bit bigger, but that would probably have made it a little too good. So right. Yeah. Next we have Radigan, very large mouse. It is an unequal five cost three three character that quests for two and it has this is my kingdom when you play this character exert chosen opposing character with three strength or less choose one of your characters and write them they can't quest for the rest of this turn Whew, it's a lot of text yeah what do you think dana i told you i was grading a lot of these high i gave him an a i think I'm a little jealous because now this Radigan is much stronger than the Emerald one that we talked about. And so I'm a little jealous, but mm -hmm. I can see him getting a lot of play just because multiple things happen with his ability and can also interact with different characters on your board and not just him, obviously. So, I mean, you can either, you can either ready one of your characters that you just quested with. So they're obviously like safe on your turn, or you can just use them to challenge and get a two for one. So you're questing and challenging at the same time. So, yeah, I think it's pretty strong. So, I gave this one a B. So, the thing is that there are just so many five-cost cards, whether it's Maui, Queen of Hearts, Dragonfire. If we go into other colors, like if you go into Emerald, you have Kuzco and Bell, mm -hmm. and you know, there's so many five-drop Emerald cards that we talked about. And that's kind of the same with all of the colors. Mm -hmm. So in order to be an uninkable five cost character, I think you have to be just insanely powerful. And I'm not sure that Radigan Very Large Mouse is just because I haven't played with it. Mm -hmm. Now, it could be that this is just a, a super strong card and you just want to play as many as you can. You want to play the full four, but I'm... Um, I'm a little skeptical that that's the case, so I'm going to give it a B. I could definitely see playing one or two of these being really good, but just being uninkable, being a five-cost character that competes with the Queen of Hearts and Maui and all these other really strong five-cost cards mm -hmm. kind of makes me hesitant to give it higher than that. Okay, fair enough. All right, next we have Raya Headstrong, a inkable three-drop, two, three, quest for one, and has note to self, don't die. During your turn, whenever this character banishes another character in a challenge, you may ready this character. She can't quest the rest of this turn. What did you give this one? I gave this one a D. I don't think it has good stats. There's just so many better three-cost characters that you can play, and the ability really isn't that strong because... Her stat line isn't good enough that where she's going to banish a lot of characters. And if she does, she's not surviving a lot either. 
Mm-hmm. So I, I just don't really like her. I at least gave her a C. I can see it maybe getting put like two of in a deck. I don't know. Just for the fact that she can challenge a good range of lower cost characters without dying. Like obviously for the most part you would see two twos or one ones or something at that point. And there are obviously some that she would die to or wouldn't be able to kill like the one threes. But I don't know. Turn four, you can challenge, then ready her, and then shift the bigger Raya onto her, and then challenge again with an even bigger body since she was readied from this one's ability. So that's why I don't see her completely unplayable with a with a D like you do. But And then you might even be able to get to do the shift Raya's ability too that turn, depending on what you challenged during that part of your turn. So I don't know. I could see it getting some play because of that. I think shift Raya, the next card we're going to talk about, has to be really, really good in order for this Raya to see play. Fair enough. All right, which we'll just roll right into. So Raya, Leader of Heart, a inkable six drop, five, three, quest for two, shifts for four, and has Champion of Kumandra. Whenever this character challenges a damaged character, she takes no damage from the challenge. I gave this one a B. I don't think she's obviously like one of the best cards in Ruby, but I think she's just a good solid little role player. I shouldn't say little because she's a six drop, obviously, but I don't necessarily think you'd build your deck around her that she's the best card of the color. So her ability might be circumstantial in some situations, but I still think being able to damage something and take no damage in return is pretty strong. I think I'm going to give her a C. I'm just going to compare her to Lady Tremaine. I think Lady Tremaine is just head and shoulders above uh, Raya, Leader of Heart. And the thing about Raya, Leader of Heart is that you really want to play the Raya we just talked about, Raya Headstrong. And I don't want to play that card because I don't think it's very good. (laughs) So I don't want to play these bad cards just to make my really good cards slightly better. I just don't I just don't like this card very much to be honest. That's okay. <laughs> if you have if you have floodboard synergies then maybe, but that's it or princess synergies. Mm-hmm. But I think you need you need some help with this one. Alright, next we have Raya, Warrior of Kumandra. It is a four cost inkable character, five three quest for one. That is it. It is a D and yep, that's it. Yeah, I put a D as well. It's exactly like Scar Fiery Usurper from set one, which literally saw no play, so I don't think this one will either. I have to say that I like this art a lot more than Raya Leader of Heart. I wish they could have switched the two, made like... No, I could see it. I could see the switch, for sure. Yeah, make this uh, super rare Raya look a little more epic or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, it's a shame because I feel like... Not all the time, but some of the coolest artwork has been given. They've been... To lackluster characters? Yeah, kind of, they yeah. kind of did them dirty. Yeah. Like, same thing with, like, um, the... Poo. Poo, yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> still so salty about that one. Yeah. <laughs> all right, moving on. Take us through the next one. Scar, Vicious Cheater. Seven cost uninkable. Six, five, rush, quest for two. And it has Daddy Isn't Here to Save You. During your turn, whenever this character banishes another character in a challenge, you may ready this character. He can't quest for the rest of this turn. What do you think? I gave him an S. <laughs> I think although he's uninkable, it's just a really strong card, especially with the rush. 
I mean, you have the potential to use them as a two for one in some cases. I looked it up and he currently has the ability to get rid of almost all current bodyguards, but one. And he still doesn't even die to that one or any of the others. So the fact that he could just get a bodyguard out of the way, like 99.9% of the time, and then get rid of maybe something else that you want to do too. Whatever the bodyguard was Whatever bodyguarding. Body, right, right. <laughs> so you could literally just, yeah. I And his strength is pretty high too. So you could get rid of most things that you'd want to get rid of on the board. So S for me. I'm going to give in A, just because he is the same cost as Be Prepared. I think they're both really good. So I, I just don't know if you can play eight of these seven costs on inkable cards, right? That's fair enough. But there are definitely going to be times where this is just better than be prepared because you challenge your opponents 3-3, three, three, then you challenge your opponents like 1-3 or something, and then you have this card that's just left behind that can you can take advantage of the damage synergies or you can quest with it the next turn, or, you know, you just challenge, he unexerts, next turn you heal it, he challenges again, then challenges something else. There's definitely a lot to like about this scar. I did not think it was going to be, like, incredible when I first looked at it, but I think there's a lot going on here than just being a seven-cost rush character. Yeah, I think he's really good. Yeah. I mean, I, I do recognize that there is a difference between the two, but it's kind of giving me the same vibes as the Beast Relentless that we had talked about because you can keep readying it when you put damage on a character. Obviously, this one is different because it has to banish, but it has rush and bigger stats, so chances of it banishing are pretty high anyway, but it gives me the same kind of vibes, and we graded that one really high too, and so definitely can see the value in both of them, yep. especially this one. All right, next we have a fun one. We have Shere Khan, Menacing Predator. Three-cost inkable character, 3-3. Three, three, that quest for one, it has, Don't insult my intelligence. Whenever one of your character challenges another character, gain one more. Mm-hmm. I gave this one an A. I gave it an S. Yeah. So we're right there in agreement that it, it is a good card. It is a good card. I don't think this is going to go in every Ruby deck. Um, I don't think it's going to be ubiquitous like that. But there are definitely going to be some Ruby decks that are just focused on keeping your opponent's board clear with the Queen of Hearts. Mm -hmm. And, like, when you get two of these in play and you challenge something, like, the, the lore really starts adding up really fast. And it almost becomes insurmountable. I think it has a really high power level. Right. And similar to what we talked about with... well. A, I mean, the fact that it's an inkable three drop just makes it really easy to just... You, you can't argue against just putting that in. B, like we talked about with the Queen of Hearts, it isn't just whenever this character challenges, it's whenever one of your characters. So similar to her ability, like imagine if you had both of those out on the board and then you just challenge with some of your characters. You're gaining multiple lore and multiple card draw at the same time. Like, oh my gosh, it makes me almost want to kind of make an Emerald Ruby deck. Because obviously I got to keep my Emerald. But of course. can you imagine just like how out of control? I would be so angry if you did that kind of interaction against me. <laughs> oh, it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I would be so angry. I, But, oh man, it just, I could just... It's just really good. So one of the hard things for the Ruby decks in the first set was that your opponent would go wide with Stitch Rockstar 
and they draw a bunch of cards and they put all these characters on board and you, if you didn't have Be Prepared, would have to challenge all these characters down and you can't really race them because they're drawing a bunch of cards mm-hmm. and then you're just trading off characters, but they're they're drawing a bunch of cards. But this actually lets you race them in the sense that you get to challenge their characters so you're getting them off the board, but you're also gaining lore in the process. So definitely against the aggressive decks where you really need to like get their characters off the board. Again, mm-hmm. it'll be good against the Emerald decks because you're focused on controlling their board. This will help you get to that 20 lore just that much faster. I think it's a really exciting card. Mm-hmm. Think about even too, I just keep going more and more expansion in my mind. Think about you have Shere Khan, Queen of Hearts, and then you, let's just say, just to add even more to it, you play a Ruby Emerald deck, so you have your Beast Relentless, and you have the Scar Vicious Cheater that we just talked about. So you just keep challenging and readying the Scar and Beast, and then you're just reaping the benefits with the Queen of Hearts and Shere Khan. Like, (laughs) my god. Oh yeah, drawing a card, then unexerting, and getting the lore. Yeah, I mean... If your opponent has uh, that many characters in play that you're able to do that, then you just feel so good. <laughs> oh, I bet, I bet. Okay, next we have Tigger, one of a kind. So this is a inkable three drop, a three three quest for one, and has energetic. Whenever you play an action, this character gets plus two strength this turn. What do you have this one at? I'll give it a B on the art, C on the actual card itself, maybe a D. Like you. <laughs> You're just never going to play this over Shere Khan, I don't think. So yeah. I'm not yeah, I'm not interested. Yeah, I gave it a BC and I said the same thing. I said that um, I just don't see his ability triggering as often as I'd like for it to. And how we just talked about Shere Khan and it's just same exact stat line. But everything is just, it's just far better with his ability. So yeah. yeah. Way more powerful. Probably should give it a C, honestly. But I'll be nice. All right. Our last character, we have Tuck Tuck. Wrecking Ball, an uninkable 4-drop, four 4-5 four with Reckless. What do you have this at? So this is one of the harder cards to grade for me because for a 4-cost character, it is just so big. Mm-hmm. The Ruby Amber deck that I played during the first chapter would have like absolutely loved this card just because on turn 3 when you have the Lantern, this is the exact kind of thing you want to put on board. Just something giant that can interact with your opponent's characters really well. That being said, it is uninkable and it's just not a threat against the control decks at all since it can't quest. I don't know. Maybe this becomes like a too well at some point in some decks but i i don't know this this one was really hard for me it would have been incredible i think in the first set but now that we're two sets in i'm gonna have to give it a c Mm -hmm. i give it a c as well i don't think he's necessarily horrible but i mean if you wait one more turn you get to play maui which has two more strength and is inkable plus has rush on top of reckless so i just think it's if you just wait one more turn you get a far better card yeah, I like if you're playing Amber, you might still want to play this just because it pairs so well with Rapunzel and the Lantern, but that that might be it though. Mm-hmm. Next, we have Go the Distance. It's a two cost inkable song, and you ready chosen damaged character of yours. They can't quest for the rest of the turn. The most important part about it is that you draw a card. Mm-hmm. It is fine. I it's not very good. It replays itself but it doesn't do anything spectacular. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a C. <laughs> so I I gave this one a D and spoiler alert, there are a couple of additional cards we're getting ready to talk about that all depend upon you having damage on your characters. And I gave them all D's as well. <laughs> I guess my argument about it is very rarely will your opponent just leave you with damage chilling on your characters because the majority of the time when they challenge you, they're going to want to make a favorable trade anyway. So they're going to want to try to get you off the board the same turn that they're challenging your characters. So unless you're playing a steel deck that has those like area of effects like big tink or grab your swords or something where it is going to put damage on you like just by nature. I just feel like you're just not going to have a bunch of characters chilling with damage on them very often. So for those reasons, I feel like any of the cards that we're going to talk about that have to do with damage on your own characters, I'm just, I just don't see the, the benefit in. For that reason, I'm out. For that reason, I'm out. <laughs> All right, next we have Teeth and Ambitions. It's a two-cost inkable song. It says, deal two damage to chosen character of yours to deal two damage to another chosen character. I want to hear your thoughts on this one, Dana. Um, I literally just put D damage reasons as described above. <laughs> <laughs> this card's an S to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just got, I'm not going to lie, I kind of got... I, I got a lot of, <laughs> I just kind of got irritated at the end, so I just got kind of lazy. <laughs> uh, this card is really good. I think, like, one of the most popular decks right now is Ruby Amethyst, kind of like the, the bounce deck with Madame Mim, right? Mm-hmm. And so one of, the, one of the common play patterns for this is to play... The one drop mini mouse, that's a 1-3, or Olaf. Next turn, you teeth and ambitions there, one or two drop, putting mm-hmm. the two damage on Olaf, it survives. And then on your turn three, you play one of the Madame Mims, return that Olaf to your hand, and you didn't even like lose a card. You just used your two cost card to deal with their one or two cost card. It's a song, so you can do that for free a lot of times. And there is another card that we're going to talk about that I think works really well with this one as as well. So I like this one a lot. There isn't a lot of inkable, cheap damage options. So yeah, I think this is going to go into most Ruby decks. Hey, like I said, I just... Got a little lazy here at the end. <laughs> yeah, you just saw all the red and all the damage. You're like, I just can't take it. I'll just make them all. <laughs> they're they're all the bad. <laughs> all right. Next, we have the most diabolical scheme. This is a song that is an uninkable three drop, and it involves banishing chosen villain of yours to banish chosen character. I gave this one a C. I just don't think you'd have enough good villains in your deck that you'd play in order to make this card worth it. Plus. I mean, all of the characters who are like the villain's allies that you would consider villains to just don't get that villain keyword title. They're just called ha- like allies. So you're like... Horse you know, and Jasper aren't villains, you know? Yeah, but essentially they are. And mm-hmm. so you're just like really pigeonholed to choosing like the main villain characters and not even like the, the sidekicks. So it's kind of, kind of sucky, but C for me. Yep. It's a C if you really want to play a heavy villain deck, you could play this card. But the big issue with it is that 
you're getting card disadvantage and that you're using two of your cards, your villain and this card, to banish one of your opponent's characters and it has to be just insanely good in order for that to be worth it. But it's not flexible, it's very narrow, very situational, so eh, you could play one or two if you're a heavy villain deck, but other than that, get out of here. Out of here. What did you call me? <laughs> what did you call me as a one cost inkable action chosen damage character gets plus three strength this turn i think i broke dana's brain by doing that i was not expecting you to just like you even looked like you snapped your neck and looked at me too so i was a little i was a little startled uh d damage reasons as described previously <laughs> <clears throat> Uh, D, damage reasons as Dana described <laughs> recently. This card is very weak, not very flexible, and not very interesting, to be honest. Yep. All right, next is You Can Fly. This is a song that is a inkable two drop and has the ability chosen character gains evasive until the start of your next turn. I gave it an A. It's cheap. It's inkable, it's a song, and the evasiveness lasts until the start of your next turn, which is super helpful because I feel like some cards that have texts like that where your characters get something, they also add on that it is only during your turn. So I like the fact that it lasts on your opponent's turn as well. So, yeah. I give this card a F. Oh, That's crap. not even on our grade scale, but... Don't, Aaron. <laughs> I... Yeah, it's a D to me. I don't like this card very much at all. Like, you can give your character evasive to challenge their evasive character, but I don't know if that's really worth a card to do a lot of the time because Ruby has its own evasive characters pretty often. It also has... Dang it, its... you're right. <laughs> it also has dragon fires and be prepared and teeth and ambitions so like if this card drew a card i'd be a little more interested in it now the the one thing i do like about this is that you can give i don't know some random character like scar let's say that's maybe mm -hmm. that's not the character you, you want to give evasive to but you can give scar evasive so you can quest with it then they can't challenge it so then you are guaranteed some extra lore i guess but it's just kind of narrow and i i don't like it at all Listen, I had a streak of like one, one, two, three, four, like five cards in a row I gave a CD to, so I just felt really bad. <laughs> you also just love evasive. I love evasive. Yeah, you do. That is evasive true. Evasive is a good ability. It, it is a good ability, but like if this said draw a card, I'd be really into it, but as it is, it is not. Yeah. All right, next we have Dinner Bell. This is an item that is an uninkable four drop and its text includes where you exert this card, pay two ink, and draw cards equal to the damage on chosen character of yours, then banish them. D. D. Yeah, I figured you were gonna say D because damage reasons above. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll give a, I'll elaborate a little bit further. Um, at least for this one. You have to have the right character out with the right amount of damage on them to where they haven't even died yet. So obviously like it can't even be like a small little guy. Then you also have to pay two ink on that card that you already paid four ink on and it's uninkable. And then you have to banish that character all for a little card draw. I just feel like there's very little reward out of it. So it sucks. 
So, F for this one. Darn <laughs> it. <laughs> if I gave F to you could fly, you can give F to Daredevil. I'm going to give this one a B. Um, the reason being is that you do have some pretty large characters in Ruby, such as Maui and even Tuk Tuk. Scar is a pretty good combo with this card that you can kind of control the damage on your characters a little bit better in the sense that you challenge them mm -hmm. and then your character is often going to survive, but you also get to pick when that happens. And the really powerful thing about this is that it is the only Ruby card that gives you the ability to draw like four cards at once. I know the Queen of Hearts can in some situations, but this can in some situations as well that I think if you're gonna play a control deck with Maui and Scar, this can help you find the be prepareds a lot better. Uh, so I don't think it's like a four of in every deck. I do think it does have powerful applications, but you are right, it is, it is definitely a slow card, but it's, also like the only ruby card where you can just like draw four cards so i kind of like it but yeah it's like a two of for sure next we have peter pan's dagger it is a two cost uninkable item and it says your characters with evasive get plus one strength talk about ad oh i gave it a <laughs> i gave it a bc i think so look, Ruby is one of the colors that actually has a decent amount of good evasive characters in it. And especially when paired with another strong evasive color, you could use a couple of these to really bump them up. And it's not too expensive either. And it's obviously stagnant on the board. And it's if, it's, if it was an action, I would have definitely given a D. But the fact that it can remain on the board as an item, I think warrants it to at least be considered a BC. Like if you have a couple of these on your board, then you might be able to get like a plus two or plus three to an evasive and just, it could really make or break that challenge and make the difference of whether you can get rid of something. So yeah, I don't know, BC. Yeah, I think the biggest issue with this is that the evasive characters need that extra strength to challenge because they're not made to challenge. Mm -hmm. They're they're made to quest. Right. So, for example, your three-cost mini mouse in this set, like, even as a 2-3, still isn't a great challenger. And you really want to be singing Friends on the Other Side or Mother Knows Best or just questing with it instead of playing this card just to challenge with it. I don't like it because, like, when I have three evasive characters in play, I just want to be questing for the win with them. Mm -hmm. I guess I feel like, you know, what we had talked about in the whole episode regarding, like, the beatdown, where you have to recognize when to kind of flip the switch and change roles. And so I feel like I only graded this a BC because I recalled there were certain times in which I had evasive characters that I was just, like, doing my thing with and... My opponent also put down an evasive character that might have been a little bit bigger. And then maybe it was like, a if I don't stop that card, I will lose. But I don't mm -hmm. have anything that's big enough right now. So that's where I saw the value in that. Yeah, I, mean, I, I can definitely see what you're saying. I just wonder if like there are better cards that might fill that void rather than just giving your evasive characters plus one strength. I don't know. Mm -hmm. We'll have to see. Yeah. And the last card we have is Sword in the Stone. It is a one-cost, uninkable item, and it says, Exert this, pay two, ink, 
Chosen character gets plus one strength this turn for each one damage on them. You probably gave this one a D and so am I. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Enough said. Yeah, not a lot to talk about. Uh, Very narrow application. Your Maui doesn't, if it has four damage on it, it really doesn't need the four strength boost. Mm -hmm. It's slow. It's not flexible. I don't know why they just can't make some of these items inkable so that you can entice people to actually play with them. Yeah, very Uh, few (laughs) items people actually are like, oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah, like this one is just no different. It's slow, narrow, not flexible. It's just bad. Mm -hmm. I agree. Well, hey, you know, we might have finished week, but we did cover a lot of strong characters at the beginning and middle. So it's not how you finish. It's about your journey along the way. And we have a lot of good cards in our journey along the way. So (laughs) super excited. I need to build with Shere Khan so bad. Yeah. I'm really excited about that one. I'm not because you're going to play me against. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be awesome. (laughs) With it. Whatever. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. Next time we're going to cover Sapphire. And then last we will end with Steel before we move on and start talking about a lot of other fun things. But we're going to power through and finish our card set review. And we hope that you guys gain a lot out of it. Because I know that I at least do. I It helps me familiarize myself a lot with cards that might not be ones that I play with, but ones that I can have a heads up about playing against so yeah and it definitely helps me think critically about some of the some of the cards more than what i normally would so yeah i love doing this and i hope you guys enjoy it as well yeah for sure have a good week let us know what you think about this episode and we will talk to you guys next time see you guys